This is Inside the Writer's Head with Kurt Dynan. He is the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2016-2017 Writer-in-Residence. The Library Foundation's Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity in our community, all while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Our podcast starts now. Today I'm talking with Alabama novelist and short story writer John Mantooth. I met John back in 2006 at the first writing workshop I ever attended, and since then he's become my most trusted critique partner and one of my best friends. His short stories have appeared in many best-of anthologies and are collected in the amazing shoebox train wreck. His first novel, The Year of the Storm, was released by Penguin Books in 2013, and his latest novel, Heaven's Crooked Finger, written under the name Hank Early, will be released in November of this year. Welcome, John. Hey, thank you, Kurt. I appreciate it. That was a very well-done introduction. I think I'm going to steal that from my bio. Perfect. Uh, it's copyrighted, but you know, do, do your best. So I'm curious, like, you know, as for as long as I've known you, I don't think I know the answer to this question. When did you f- start writing seriously? I started writing seriously when I turned 30. I uh, was uh, writing was always something that I had wanted to do um, from a very early age, probably like most writers. Um, but I was I was too lazy, too immature to get serious about it, really to not just get serious about it, just to do anything. I took a creative writing class, I think, in in 12th grade, which I enjoyed. And that forced me to write a few stories. But then I honestly didn't write anything else again until I turned 30 and realized that um the clock was ticking if I was ever going to pursue that dream that I'd had for so long of being a writer. So I guess you could say that was serious when I was, when I turned 30. That's when I sat down and tried to do it every day. The the spectral threat of death. Is that what it was when you turned 30? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. That, that, and just knowing that, uh, you know, I had, I had my, my first child then and, um, I was at a, you know, working full time. And I was just like, is this it? I mean, not that it was a bad life, but I just wanted a little something else. I wanted to, I wanted to pursue my dream. And, and that had been my dream from an early age. Um, and I felt like I finally was mature enough at that point to have a little discipline and sit down. And, and I think I started with 600 words a day. Um, and I, I think I did that every day for a long time and wrote a, wrote a novel uh, that my advice would be not to start with a novel for any younger writers, but that's the way I did it. I'm sure that's the way a lot of writers uh, did it because uh, it was terrible and I wasn't ready for a novel yet. So then you moved on to short stories, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of how I met you was basically through all the short stories you had written. What did you learn from that experience that kind of gave you insight into being able to write a novel later well with short stories absolutely saved me as a writer uh it i actually wrote two very poor novels no i take that back i wrote three novels probably in those first three years of writing i was probably about 33 and um when the third one i I decided i tried to send out to some to some agents because i'd heard that was the only way you could really get published was through an agent 
and I got back a lot of feedback on that third novel from agents and and it was it was pretty bad uh one agent just was brutal and just said that um there were parts there were parts of the book that she just couldn't understand it was like I don't even understand what you're saying your writing is so bad I can't even follow it um so at that point I realized I was either gonna have to abandon my dream or try something different and um I I decided I would try something shorter something I could finish much quicker and I found this website online this uh zoetrope um and I know you know about that but I, I it was a place where writers were uh sharing their short stories critiquing their short stories and I, I got involved with that and I started writing some short stories and I didn't go from being terrible to great or even good instantly but I I got some good feedback from some other writers, some encouragement. And I thought, you know, this is something that, that I can do. I can finish these things fairly quickly and, um, and, and kind of feel like I've accomplished something. So that, that was where I started with, with short stories, um, basically, uh, on that, on that website really. And I think, well, I didn't, I don't guess I met you on the website, but after we met you, I, I got to know you more on that website, I think. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. And in, in fact, I checked the other day, I think it's still there. Yeah. Um, but not in, not in the way it was when we were around. That was uh that was a strange time. It was a did good you, time. Did you remember your password? <laughs> no, I just went to see if it was actually okay. in, in existence anymore. Yeah. It's you, weird. I mean, I was there every day for, for every day of my life for a while. I would, I would check into Zoetrope much like, I guess people check into Facebook now. But it was, you know, checking the Zoetrope every day and see if anybody had commented on the story or to see, you know, if somebody had sent me a message or that sort of thing. It was sort of my first exposure to any kind of, I guess, social media, but it had more of a real purpose in terms of writing. Right. Absolutely. Uh, it was invaluable for me. You you mentioned this a minute ago, but you write very fast. I mean, like when you say you wrote three novels in three years, you know. Yeah. I think a lot of listeners out there would be like, yeah, that's pretty fast. I mean, how in the world do you do that? Well, I don't think, I think it's misleading a little bit to say I write fast. I, I know that you've always, you've always thought that. And then maybe I do compared to some people, but I write drafts fast, but I, I end up having to write multiple drafts. Um, and so that ends up slowing the process down. Um, I guess I just draft fast, but I don't plan very well. So uh, I end up having to write a whole draft uh, and then decide that there's some good in it that I want to keep, but there's a lot of stuff I don't want. So I have to start over, keep the good and add to it. And I think the last uh, book I wrote, Heaven's Crooked Finger that you mentioned, uh, took me, oh, I wouldn't, I would say I probably, the book itself was 95,000 words. I would say I, to I wrote 600,000 words total. In, in drafting that book. So, so, so you don't, so you don't outline. Is that what I'm not? No, about? not really. No, no, I really don't. Um, I've tried it before and, uh, it just, it, it's never really worked for me. I'm not sure why I've, I've tried to go very with a very detailed outline, plan it all out ahead of time. And then I'm kind of excited about it and I'm thinking it's going and I still end up hitting the same roadblocks that I hit when I don't outline. And, um, and, and the thing I look, tend to lose is, is the, the voice I've noticed when I, when I try to write through an outline. So the 
process for me almost has to be a little mysterious. That's that's when I'm interested when when I feel like it's it, it, it I can be surprised and there's something, you know, that I'm not sure about in the narrative. So I've sort of just given up on the outlining. I usually like to um, have some idea of how it's going to end, you know, some idea of sort of maybe a through line in the story, but uh, nothing close to a, to a detailed outline. Well, you mentioned your voice and, and how outlining tends to uh, stifle. Yes, yeah, sure. Stifle your voice. You, you have a very distinctive um, voice in your short stories and novels. I still, to this day, I, I think somebody could give me a paragraph you've written and I wouldn't know you've written it. Um, oh, is that, that's is a that huge something compliment. you I appreciate that? Is it, well, I mean, and I've always said you're probably the writer who has the most distinctive voice of anyone I know. Is that something you developed or is that just a natural, is that kind of a natural gift you just have? I think that's a tough question to answer for for any writer. Um, my instinct is that I don't think about it that much, so it must be something that that's just sort of a natural instinct um, or natural voice. I, I will say that sometimes, you know, I read something that I've written and and I know that the voice is not there, and that's that's typically when I need to start it over. And usually, if I can get the voice there in the first sentence or the first paragraph, then I can, I can, it's, it's usually there. But if I start the first sentence, first paragraph, and the voice isn't quite there, then it won't be, it won't be there throughout. That's one of the reasons I like short stories to write short stories so much is because I feel much more comfortable maintaining the voice. Uh, In novels, there's always a point where you have to, you have to sort of keep the story moving. You have to kind of bow to the plot at some point and that's when i struggle with with keeping the voice um where i want it to be when i've kind of got to do the 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 things just to keep plot moving along yeah, but, plot's not your strong suit no no it's not it's not so how in the world well no we'll get to we'll get to heaven's crooked finger in a minute because i okay. want to talk about let's go chronologically let's talk okay. about your the year of the storm for a minute yeah uh, can you give the listeners a quick summary of that Yes, uh, the Year of the Storm uh, was a novel that I wrote. Um, it was my first real novel to write after coming off the short stories when I just did short stories for years and years and years, and it was a it was a challenge, um, but um, I eventually was able to get it published. Uh, as far as what it's about, it's um, quick summary. Danny uh, is the main character. He's uh, 14 years old, and he is struggling with the recent disappearance of his mother and sister. He's in small town, rural Alabama. Uh, the sheriff's office there is, is not being much help. His sister and uh, mother have been missing for probably uh, three or four months when the novel opens. And right away, we're introduced to the character, Walter Pike, uh, this old kind of... Um, grizzled man that shows up at his door in the middle of the night and tells Danny he knows where his sister and his mother are. And that sort of sets the the novel off because the rest of the book kind of deals with Danny, uh, Danny trying to decide if he can trust this man. Um, because when somebody, you know, that right away he's thinking, okay, why do you know where they are? 
Um, is it because it's where you buried them or you actually have some information that will be useful? And, it, you know, it goes into a lot of places after that. But uh, I guess the impetus behind the book was always trying to um, I was I've always been fascinated by the, the stories of missing people and that are never that are never found. And I always wondered, you know, what what could have happened to them trying to, in my mind, play those stories out. Of, of what could have happened to people that have gone missing. And I guess this was kind of my effort to to play one out in, on, on the page. Oh, it's a great novel. I still have students read it, and, oh, and they always enjoy it. Good. Um, it's not what they think it's going to be, which yeah. I think is, is really important. Yeah, it's got, a, uh, it's got a little bit of a supernatural edge to it, and um, it was actually um, – nominated a lot of people see it as a horror novel and i, I got nominated for a, a bram stoker award uh, for first novel and which i was real proud of and uh, i think i think you could definitely be categorized as horror i think it'd be categorized as crime mystery and uh, even a coming of age story as well um, sort of sort of all over the map now they always say that writers learn always something different with each novel they write what do you remember learning from that experience of writing the year of the storm? I think I learned, uh, the importance. Well, I learned several things. I learned the importance of pushing through. Um, you know, there got to a point in that novel where I felt like, you know, I was never going to get to the end. I felt like it was kind of petering out. Um, like some of the tension had gone out of the narrative, but you know, I got to the a point where it's like, I can't, I cannot start this thing over again this is finally the moment where I need to push on through, get it to the end. And then I can come back and do some revision on it, which I did. And then I think I would also say, I learned the, that a book's not really finished um, until it goes through uh, a process with an editor and even an agent. Um, because with both my agent at the time, she, she helped me revise that book a lot. And then I went through an intense process with my editor at Penguin um, and she, uh, was very detailed in changes that she wanted me to make. And that was what, three years ago, correct? Yeah, I think so. It was probably, um, let's see, book came out in 2013. So we went through most of those edit edits probably in 2012. So it's been, it's been more like five years now. It seems like a long, long time ago. Yes. <laughs> and it kind of is in, in publishing time. But you, you now have a new book coming out um, in November of this year, mm -hmm. Heaven's Crooked Finger. That's right. Um, with your, your new detective, um, Earl Marcus, correct? Right. Yes. And, um, that that was um, – I'm not sure how much detail you want me to get into about this, but uh, this, this kind of gets into the, the publishing world. And um, – in the publishing world, uh, there's, there's a, I'd heard it before over and over again. If you, if your first book doesn't sell well, then you're going to have a hard time publishing your second book. And I think I, I ended up living that a little bit, uh, with the year of the storm, it was received very well critically. Like I said, it got nominated for a stoker, but it did not sell, uh, particularly well, or did not sell up to expectations, maybe penguins expectations. And, when we went to publish my second novel, Penguin had the option on my second novel. Um, they they didn't take up that op option, and we, we had to go try to sell it elsewhere. 
which we were unable to do. Uh, well, actually, we did end up getting an offer on the second novel, but we decided not to take it because it was from a smaller publisher. Uh, my agent uh, asked me, he told me he advised just shelving it uh, for the time being and starting something new. And so I started writing. Um, I had an idea for a detective or a private investigator, sort of a rural, rural private investigator uh, in Georgia, in the mountains of North Georgia. And uh, he would have an interesting backstory. Uh, his father was an uh, evangelical snake-handling minister. And Earl, the main character, was actually bit by a cottonmouth snake when he was a teenager while he was standing in front of the church. And that sort of shaped the rest of his life. Um, so I had this idea to write this uh, story about him, and he would be investigating sort of some things that you don't typically see in in your average mystery crime books. He he, his first have his crooked fingers. Him investigating basically his father's church and some of the things that they're doing. Um, and so I wrote that book. We started to send it out, and we got some some of the same type responses that we got for the last book. Uh, Editors really enjoyed the book. We had they had good things to say, but some of them came right out and said, "With the previous track record, which was the year of the storm, we don't think we could buy this." Um, eventually, we uh, did get an offer from Crooked Lane, which uh, is an independent publisher, and they said they would buy it under the condition that I uh, that I used a pseudonym, and that's where Hank Early came from. Uh, at first, I was pretty disappointed about this, but um, I got, I came around to it. I mean, in the end, it's, it's all about, you know, do you, do you want to reach readers or not? And I did. Uh, so if I, if I, if this will help me reach readers, then I was willing to do it. Uh, so that's, uh, the Hank Early pseudonym and that book will come out in November. And then if I'm not mistaken, it's, this is going to be a series for you, correct? Yes. Uh, the second book, they also bought the second book which I'm in the process of writing now is tentatively called skull keep. And it will, I'm thinking will be out 2018. I don't know if we have an official date on that yet, but I just know when it's due and it's rapidly approaching. So, so what <clears throat> tips do you have for someone uh, wanting to write a detective novel now that you've done it now that you're doing it again? I would say uh, try to avoid the cliches. And uh, my, my agent was very helpful with that. Um, when I would send him drafts, he would say, you know, this, this is an every detective novel. You don't, you don't need this. And um, the, uh, you know, he, he would highlight the things that I had done. He, said, he would say, this is not something I've seen before in, tech, in detective novels. So let's, you know, let's try to do more of this. And that would be the big thing to me is, you know, most of the people that come to you know, wanting to write a crime novel or probably readers of crime novels. And the tendency is to fall back into things that feel, you know, easy and familiar to you. And you need to, you know, try to try to not, maybe not even think of it as a crime novel. Try to just think of it as a novel where there's a crime. And, um, and, and I think you'll have better luck uh, being more original. Not to say that there's not some, um, tropes in my in my book that you that will be familiar to readers but uh, i tried to make it a little bit more unique experience so you didn't plot this out at all you just started writing yeah i started writing with that idea of 
what it would be like to to have that in your past. Uh, most of my stuff is is highly dependent on on the character's past. It's highly influenced by the past, and he you know everything in his life, everything in Earl's life is dependent on that moment where he was standing in front of the church where he really wanted to be. He wanted to please his father. He wanted to be a believer like his father. And then the snake, you know, it just bites him right in the face. And that changed everything for him. He became, you know, rebellious and uh, he sort of became anti-religion. And um, I just kind of went with it. And I knew that I wanted to do something, you know, about him coming back home after years of being away, coming back to the mountains and having to deal with the the deal with his past, which was essentially his dad. And over time, that developed quite a bit um, into a mystery about whether his dad was alive or dead. Um, because even though most thinking people believe, believe that his father had died, uh, there was a sect of people in the mountains that claimed his father was still alive. And so Earl kind of sets out to prove them wrong and to prove to himself that his dad does not have some kind of, you know, channel to God or some kind of way to overcome death. And um, so essentially it becomes a mystery about uh, not so much, you know, who killed someone, but whether someone is actually alive or someone's actually dead. Well, having read like 400,000 of the 600,000 words you, you put into this book, um, I really hope people check it out because it's great. Um, and I know they can order it, pre-order that book already, even though it's not out until November. Right. Um, a lot of the listeners to this podcast, like I said, are writers. Um, and, and uh, I, you know, I've been doing these workshops with writers and what, whatnot. What, um, what sort of writing advice would you give to someone who's just starting out? I'd say start small. Um, you know, don't, don't do like I did and start right with, start writing novels from the beginning. I would say, uh, try not to be too anxious to, to be successful all at once. Um, you know, I tell my students all the time, I'm also a teacher, but I tell my, my students all the time, they're interested in writing, try to finish a short story. Um, you can waste a lot of time starting and restarting novels and then changing, finding a new idea and trying to start that. I know because I, I did that over and over again. And most people, I'm, I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule, but most people can't jump straight from being a new writer to published novelist. And that's why I tr highly recommend you, you, you get in some, maybe a critique group. You find some, somebody somewhere that can, can help you with your, with your writing and, and focus on, on shorter pieces. Um, Try to sell one, uh, and and then and then go from there. If you if you once you've sold something, uh, a piece of short fiction, then um, you might be ready to try something longer. No, that's great advice. All of that. Um, I think we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, my my standard dinner party question. I hope you're prepared. So <laughs> you're gonna have a dinner party. Uh, you can invite one writer, one rocker. Uh, one actor or actress and one miscellaneous person. They have to all be alive. Okay. Um, who are you bringing? I'm ready on all this. I struggle oh, I struggle on one part of it, but for the author, <clears throat> I would take James Lee Burke. Oh. He's good... uh, one of my favorite writers, if not my favorite writer. And he's doing uh, just his 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 crime books are just perfect to me. They they represent uh, the the height of 
writing, character, setting, everything that I'm trying to shoot for in my books. Um, and maybe if I had dinner with him, I could convince him to read one of mine and blurb it too. I don't know. <laughs> um, as far as Rocker, uh, you might appreciate this, Kurt. I don't know if a lot of people in your audience um, have heard of the Feelies, but my favorite member of the Feelies is Bill Million. Uh, Feelies is a rock band from Hoboken, New Jersey. And I saw the Feelies live in, I guess it was 1992, somewhere around there. And Bill Million, I'll never forget him. The man had so much passion playing guitar. And I would love to try to have that kind of passion when I write. I mean, that he he inspires me to, to approach whatever you're doing with passion. Um, actors where I struggle because I'm not really a big actor, actress kind of guy. I mean, I enjoy movies, but I rarely know any actors' names or anything. But I do have one show that I'm sort of irritatingly addicted to. The rest of my family, other than my daughter, she enjoys it too. But the rest of my family can't understand my odd addiction, but that's The Office. And um, I would probably take uh, Steve Carell um, because I, he, he always makes me laugh. So I would like to have dinner with him. And as far as the other person, um, I got to go with uh, basketball. So I would take Tim Duncan. He's, he's sort of a all-time favorite in, from NBA. I'm a huge NBA fan. It's a great – all of those answers tell a lot about you. Um, yeah, that's kind probably. of always why I asked that question. That's a good good answer. Nice job. So I think that about wraps it up. Um, do you have any final words, John? No, just other than thank you. And um, everybody needs to go buy uh, Kurt's um, book, Don't Get Caught. And uh, seriously, it's great. My students, I've got a student reading that book every day. Um, but it also appeals to adults. I, I enjoyed it very much. Um, and, and so did my wife. So, but I appreciate you having me on. Oh, no, it's been great. And I want to uh, thank John for appearing on Inside the Writer's Head. You can find John online. Um, in fact, you have a new website, correct? I do. It's, uh, it's under the Hank Early name. You... Yeah, what is it? It's uh, hank-early.squarespace.com. Uh, All right. And uh, be sure to check out his collection of short stories, Shoebox, Trainwreck. I mean, it is really fantastic. Um, his novel, The Year of the Storm, and obviously you need to check out his upcoming novel, Heaven's Crooked Finger, written under the name of Hank Early. For the Cincinnati Public Library, this is Kurt Dynan with Inside the Writer's Head. Inside the Writer's Head podcast is produced by the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County. Special thanks to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer in Residence program. Learn more and read the Inside the Writer's Head blog on our website, cincinnatilibrary.org. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.